0: This shortcode podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com.
1: Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Shortcode Podcast.
2: Weird news. Fresh views. Helpful clues and interviews.
1: By students. For students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com.
0: Welcome back to The Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. More importantly with me today, a bunch of M1s say hello to Madeline Slater. Hey. How's it hanging, Kyle Kinder? Howdy. What up, doe? Sam Palmer. Howdy ho. We also expect Emma Barr as soon as she's done. Hopefully, we'll see with her test. Um, Have you ever heard the expression, what up, doe? <laughs> I was looking up new ways of greeting people today. Just now.
3: Like, what up, though? But like, what I, up, doe?
0: Right. But what up, though? That doesn't make any sense either. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. You young kids and your greetings. Can workshop that. Yeah. I just tried to rhyme with it, so. You guys just got done with the test? Mm-hmm. How was that? I don't want to, I don't want you to relive your, your horror.
3: I was telling everyone this week that I was going to get a 25% and I did not get a 25%. So.
4: <laughs> I think most of us did the, uh, did the math. Right. And like sort of look through what we needed to pass, you know, yeah. some ridiculous percentage on, on either test. Yeah. That's the med student way. Yeah. <laughs> Calculate the minimum they necessary. They even yeah. integrate it into,
3: into our product. online thing. that you don't even have to do the math. You just have to plug in numbers.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in college, number one. You had to use an abacus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I got out my, my, um, my bird onto which I used its beak to chisel on a stone tablet. Oh, the Flintstones it. reference, That's which right. itself dates me. Yeah, no, we didn't have these, uh, these um, automatic... Methods, You know, we had to think of doing this ourselves. And of course, I was such a terrible student. I never thought of that. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Hey, we have a listener question to get started with. Are you ready for this? Bring it. She, uh, she, uh, she wanted me to make up a name for her. Um, I don't think she necessarily wanted to be anonymous, but she wanted me to make up a name for her. So let's call her Fifi Trixie Bell. Oh. <laughs> <Jeez>. Hi, Fifi. <laughs> Which you may, uh, you may know is, uh, I think, Paris, one of Paris Hilton's dogs was named... Oh, I Fifi was Trixie unaware. Bell. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. I know things about pop culture. Anyway, let's hear uh, Fifi Trixie Bell.
1: Hi, Short
3: I'm a PhD student here at the University of Iowa, and I love the show and listen every week, even though I'm not a med student or aspiring to be one. Well, that's
0: fine. Thank you.
3: I've written in before when you talked about bias against obese patients, which you didn't reply to. Rude. Yes. And now I want to bother you again after the new episode about the obesity epidemic. I have a suggestion for one simple thing you can tell patients to do to lose weight, stop eating carbs. I'm very much pro-ketogenic diet, as I switched to a high-fat diet almost a year ago, and it has been literally life-changing. I have more energy, I never feel bloated, I don't have cravings, and I can go hours and hours without eating without feeling like I'm starving. It has changed my relationship with food, and I'm a huge advocate. So here is my question, what do med students learn in medical school about diet? Do you all think keto is a fad diet, or do you think it has legs? Thanks for providing us with advice, entertainment, and current events each week.
0: You are very welcome. Thank you, Fifi. Thank you for your... No, it's Fifi Trixie Bell. She insists on Fifi. her full name. Fifi... Miss Fifi, Fifi Trixie, Trixie Bell. Bell. Yes. That's right. I don't know what her last name is, but that is her full first name.
4: Mm.
0: All right, you guys. Uh, what have you learned about nutrition? Let's just say this week. You guys are all M1s, I should point out.
4: So. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. We had our first nutrition lecture.
4: Oh, what on
3: a, Wednesday,
4: I believe we did. Dude, what a coincidence! Two dietitians came in mm-hmm. from from the hospital.
2: It, okay, and this unit we just talked about ketones a lot, so we got a little bit of a uh, little bit of everything. metabolism. Yeah. Yep, yep. I'm sure it'll be the
4: yep.
0: first of of quite a few times that you'll talk about diet, and nutrition, and all that uh, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, might not always be, you know. One of the things that I know that um, your course directors have struggled with over the years is, you know, in the past, uh, you know, we, we would hear, like, we would do surveys or whatever and students would be like, we never talk about nutrition. And, you know, like Peter Rubenstein would be like, yes, we talk about nutrition all the time. We just don't (laughs) call it nutrition, you know, like it's not. And now
3: every time he talks about a vitamin, he writes nutrition in huge capital letters. Absolutely. And I have a feeling that is
0: why. (laughs) Yes. So that's fantastic. So she had. Uh, do, do you guys? So you do talk about it. You've uh,
4: you've learned a few things. What have you learned? Well, I I, I know that they ended the uh, the lecture with a quote from Michael Pollan, um, who is from, a uh, from My, Mike, Michael Pollan is a is a uh, an author and um, some British people comedian. De- people describe him as a food anthropologist. He 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 works at the University of California, Berkeley. Go Bears. And uh, he. So we're not talking about the British comedian from Monty Python's Flying Circus, Michael Palin. You just want to be clear. Dated yourself once again, Dave. Look, damn it. (laughs) 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 But he said, he said, uh, uh, eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that was the takeaway from the lecture. Mm -hmm. And then, and then at the end, a lot of people had questions about ketogenic diets, and uh, and then also where where the the people who make the food plate or the MyPlate.gov, like, <laughs> what wh- where's where's their bibliography? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can we see them cite their sources? Yeah, and uh, which
3: there's a lot of very reputable sources cited.
4: Very reputable and very very diverse, very wide range of sources. We were told, um, yeah. but no no sources None specifically. specifically. No.
0: <laughs> okay, so I know that I was reading at least one very well known researcher who is, you know, sort of been, uh, been an expert in this field, has had just about all of his papers retracted recently because of some um, research malfeasance, uh, you know, incorrect or reused images, you know, all did, did a bunch of no-no's in his publications over the years. And, and so he's actually being forced to retire from his position at some, you know, university, wherever he's at. I didn't memorize all the details because, you know, my brain isn't good enough for that. But point is, Hopefully one of those research one of those uh, resources wasn't that guy.
3: So to yeah, to go back to her question, she said how do you like talk about nutrition in med school, which we just answered, it is integrated. Maybe limit there's a limit to that, but it is integrated. And yeah. then the other question was, do you think it's a fad diet? And I think it just depends on how you use it, because some people use it to lose weight, which may I think lean towards the fad diet but it's been around for a bit um and then there are like evidence-based practices for use with seizures we actually just researched how and we don't actually know how it helps with seizures other than ketone bodies are beneficial for an anticonvulsant. And,
2: and that's like not us as M1s, that's up to date. One of, <laughs> one of the resources that we- I uh, don't know either. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> but yes, we also don't know, but yeah, that is from- The
3: scientific community doesn't yeah, exactly know. Yeah.
2: so. But. So I
3: don't think that would be called a fad. Like if it's helping with seizures and whatnot. But the registered dietitians in our nutrition class just generally seem to um, come to a consensus that, yes, it is helpful for losing weight because it is a very restrictive, very calorically restrictive diet. However, it is so hard to maintain that it's not something that they always recommend just because it's not as sustainable as other practices.
0: It it seems like something that you could try. And if it works for you, I mean, it's not like you're going to, I mean, unless you're a diabetic Right, because I know it's uh, probably not a good idea for uh, diabetic people to go into uh, into ketosis for too long and all that kind of stuff, right?
2: Yeah, so it can some, cause some metabolic acidosis, some diabetic yeah. ketoacidosis, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've read anyway. Yeah, uh,
4: and I think that the uh, uh, ketogenic diet may, may, may or not be a fad, but it definitely not a panacea, you know? Yeah. And like it everybody's biochemistry is different so if somebody finds that it works well for them and they prefer it then that that's good but it, i don't think it would work for everybody yeah yeah it's hard to start too because
2: like it takes a while for your body to get the the enzymes needed to metabolize ketones up so like your brain eventually will use them very well but it prefers glucose so in like the first three or four days you feel like crap and like you're just <laughs> mentally not all there the keto flu
4: they yeah call yeah and also, initially, you're going to lose a lot of weight because uh, Dr. Rubenstein was talking about yeah. this, right? Like, So you stop using sugar and it you deplete all your glycogen stores and your glycogen
3: has a lot of water. Has a lot of water. Mm-hmm. So you
4: basically just lose a bunch of water for the but, first couple of days. Yeah,
3: I feel like if it, if it makes you feel good, you're energized, you know, and you are liking the food that you eat,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
3: it. I personally like to enjoy my food. Um, (laughs) but like if you, if that's something that you truly enjoy, then that's fine. And there are some good options within it, but it's way too restrictive
1: for me to ever try.
4: What do you think, Emma? (laughs) Emma has joined us. Thank you,
1: Emma. Welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, I guess I was just thinking about, um, I have a friend who's going off and on on keto and I feel like that doesn't really work well because like you said, um, like it takes a few days to like your body to adapt to using ketones. And so I feel like if you're constantly like having those cheat days with quotes, um, like you're going to constantly be feeling bad because you're converting back to like using glucose and then ketones and glucose. I
0: remember back in the late nineties, a friend or a couple of friends who were (laughs) doing some sort of diet where all week they could only eat, um, low carb, but then they got like an, like a couple of hours or maybe an hour at the end of the week where they could eat whatever the hell they wanted. And, you know, they were just like, you know, cake and booze and, you know, like power
4: hour. Cake booze. (laughs) Oh, Uh. (laughs) Jesus!
0: Yeah, they call it their power hour. And um, it's just, you know, even back Mm -hmm. then that struck me as, you know, okay,
2: whatever. (laughs) And there are cells in your body too that can't use ketones, like red blood cells can Mm -hmm. only use glucose. So like your body is always going to need sugars. You can't fully Cut off from them,
4: but you could use gluconeogenesis
2: <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. Not via ketones, though. Not via we, ketones. Yeah, we learned that. <laughs> Damn. So yeah. relevant. I just yeah. got some
0: some learning there. You know, I went back and so so uh, Fifi Trixie Bell, uh, you you did reference that you had sent me a a previous email on this subject. I apologize for for not addressing that. Rude. Um, I know. Um, but I did go back and find it. And I did remember it because it was one of the rare, rare questions I didn't really feel up to answering at that moment. Um, also, it was very, very long. But you acknowledged <laughs> that in your email. And you're like, I'm sorry, this is going to be really long. That's honest. Um, what I'm about to say, Fifi Trixie Bell, <laughs> I'm saying not to make you feel bad. I'm really not, but by writing in, because by writing in, you've done exactly what I want you and our listeners to do, to get in touch and to help us uh, identify some topics that uh, you guys want to talk about. And so I'm really grateful. Um, That being said, one sentence from your previous email jumped out at me that maybe influenced my decision as a person of girth to not go into it. And the phrase was, even though I'm lucky enough to have never been overweight, I have been doing keto since January and have never looked back. So I think maybe that statement was off putting to me because first I'm most likely to take advice from somebody who was fat like me and then became less fat. Um, except, uh, you know, if it's unsolicited advice, then I'm not likely to listen to you at all, uh, except with annoyance, whether you were fat or skinny or what. Um, and I'll get to that. Um, but what I want to say is people who have been never never been overweight, even those who have had or have never been f- like truly morbidly obese, even those who have had a few extra pounds and succeeded in losing them, they are not the same as people who are morbidly obese. The... Morbidly obese patient in my unscientific line has a lot more going on than that. They're eating a few too many calories And should just cut back on the potato chips a bit um, So when somebody says somebody skinny says to me you should do this that's why I am feeling great My answer is you have no idea what? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. that's right um, and right or wrong. I, I strongly feel so this is the part about unsolicited diet advice, which again that's not what you did, but I feel strongly that unsolicited diet advice uh, is f- annoying. <laughs> um, skinny people don't know about this, but here's a little secret. Fat people get advice on diet and exercise from complete strangers. People, and, and here's a bizarre little anecdote from my life. Um, years ago, I was much bigger than I am now. And I was in an airport on my way home for a job from a job interview years ago, and a guy walked up to me and said, no, a guy sat next to me and said, you know, I was like you once. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah? He's like, yeah, I had gastric bypass surgery. It changed my life. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then he proceeded to go on and on and on about gastric bypass surgery. I'm in an airport listening to a man that I've never met before give me advice on how to become like him and even though he said he was like me before I didn't quite believe it because he didn't I mean gastric bypass patients tend to have a look about them and I know this because I myself am a gastric bypass patient now okay so I as I said I lost a lot of weight feel great blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, gastric bypass patients have a look about them. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're narrower than they once were, but they're, you know, they're sort of, they, they, they sag in different places than other people. And you know, you can tell this guy did not look like that. This guy looked like a long distance marathon runner. So I was never quite sure what I, what the deal, maybe he had surgery. I don't know. Point is This is one of the reasons why, uh, morbidly obese people resist advice from their doctors because generally their doctors have also not been, uh, obese. Some of them have been, some of them struggle with the rate just like the rest of us. But the point I'm trying to make is, um, you know, when you encounter resistance as a physician, when you encounter resistance from your patients, just understand that it's coming from a place of lifelong, um, bombardment with, uh useless advice. And that's what the advice generally is cuz as you acknowledged Kyle, everybody's different. You know, everybody is bio, bio biochemically is that what the word you use? Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> biochemically. <laughs> I hate you. It's biochemically different from everybody else and and so, you know, my guess is that one thing won't work for other people and so, you know, just stop it. You know? Yeah.
3: I think it all comes down wow, to... I, I just want
0: to say that ah, that felt good.
2: Unloaded. <laughs> <laughs> Lotus, the diatribe.
3: Yeah, I think that issue, while it, like it has all of these, like multifactorial, like most issues in medicine are multifactorial. And this is
0: multi, multifactorial.
3: Yeah, the, this yeah. is... And so really what it what it comes down to, because we don't have a simple solution, I like to just, and I feel overwhelmed in like how do we approach these situations, I always come down to like treating people like humans. Mm-hmm. And as a doctor, you're most likely going to get the best response from your patient when you treat them like a person, another human being. And when you first meet them, they might be a stranger. So, yes, it is weird to go up to someone in an airport and give them advice based on solely their appearance. And so a doctor should keep that in mind, too. Like, granted, there's a little bit of a different situation in like the trying to do good, do no harm. And, but, and like, you have
4: to
0: sort of, you know, let's face it, probably came there hoping yeah. for advice on the, you know, being healthy.
3: But at the same time, like, if you are having one conversation you're just like, and also please don't eat carbs and lose a bunch of weight, <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta gauge those conversations. So I feel like if you, if a patient asked you about the ketogenic diet, you mm-hmm. could maybe, um dispense your knowledge because that's asked you could also suggest it as an option if you as a physician have done a lot of research on it have experience treating mm-hmm. people who use it that kind of thing mm-hmm. but it all just comes down to like human conversations
0: yeah I, and i don't think there's anything wrong with saying you know like okay you've come to me because you mm-hmm. have sleep apnea or you you know right um or you get headaches this also happened to me. Um, you've come to me because you get headaches and you don't know why. And um, you know, instead of saying as happened to me, you get headaches because you have sleep apnea because you're overweight.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the discussion could be something more along the lines of you, you know, your headaches—they're awful. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we know that among the things that could cause headaches are this this this. Um, another risk factor is being overweight, um, and that's something that uh, uh, you know. I'll be honest with you. I'm 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 thinking about with you. Not sure if that's the answer, but mm-hmm. it is a common reason. And so, um, blah 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 blah. Like, just mm-hmm. don't walk in a room and say, you know. Hey, fatty, the reason why you're fat, you're have sleepy apnea is because you're fat, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's not that you're going to be resist. But and, and the problem with what I'm saying right now is that, you know, generally people have like 15 minutes to, you know, mm-hmm. have their yeah. appointments yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. It might be worth, though, establishing a longer term conversation with that person and saying F- the, you know revenue value units, mm-hmm. you know, we need to have a longer term conversation about right. this. Right. And
3: we also like another thing we've been learning is even within those 15 minutes, you can still make someone feel like they're being listened mm-hmm. to. You can still express empathy. You can yeah. still like carefully yes. transition into conversations rather than abruptly. Like, yes, it would be great if we had more time to dive deeper into some of these issues, but you can still do the three basic humane things yeah
0: mm. you know um so after the last show when we talked about obesity we got an email from uh dr cody teagues who is a uh pediatric critical care professor here at iowa and he happened to uh you know they they have a, a hospital newsletter that goes out by email and he happened to listen to our show and he said <laughs> very nice things about our discussion um he also said he also pointed us towards a huffington post article which i will post at shortcode.com in our show notes um, which I think probably every doctor should read. It's not a long article, it's not especially, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fairly good read. It's about the costs of treating the obesity epidemic the way we do today and how it's, you know, for fat people, a source of unique and persistent trauma. That's a quote. You know, no matter how, no matter what you go in for or how much you're hurting, the first thing you'll be told is that it would get better if you would just put down the Cheetos. So that's a, that's a direct quote mm. from the article. More Mm -hmm. quotes. Um, Doctors have shorter appointments with fat patients and show less emotional rapport in the minutes that they do have. Mm -hmm. Um, Negative words like non-compliant, overindulgent, weak-willed pop up in their medical histories with higher frequency. In 2011, this blows my mind, the Sun Sentinel posed ob in South Florida and discovered that 14% had barred all new patients weighing more than 200 pounds. Primary care providers. Right there. Um, the article also says it's not entirely doctor's fault uh, you know our society punishes overweight people in many ways you know like and, and so you know so of course will doctors I mean this starts from a very early age so it's hard to get over right. anyway I appreciate that uh, that uh, an actual doctor wrote in Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Thank you, Doctor. A, a long
3: coat. A long
0: coat. coat. <laughs> <laughs> he did get the name of our show wrong. <laughs> I, he I called would. us white
4: coats. Oh. Not specific enough. Yeah, Doctor Teagues. <laughs> I think also. Um, yeah, I, I see. I see a lot of similarities too between um, this and. Uh, and alcoholism right i mean mm-hmm. when when alcoholics would come in uh to, to the doctor or whatever and people would just be like why don't you stop it why don't you quit it right yeah and that was before people th- saw it as a disease right mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. saw it as something that was beyond that that person's willpower yeah right yeah. and so and i think and i think for us i mean as humans we're uniquely and particularly social creatures and mm-hmm. for somebody to just tell you to change your behavior, um, isn't, there's no follow up to that. Right. I mean, right. Those behavioral changes really require, um, participation with other people. And, uh, so,
0: and you're like, you know, you're like, okay, thank you for telling me that I need to do this. Right. How might I go about that? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, what is the secret sauce that you, you know, one of the other things I was thinking about Um, in all of this is, you know, the big, the big problem with overeating is that, or being overweight is that it's, yes, it's food that's doing this to you in a, in a way, but you can't exactly stop eating food, Mm
4: -hmm. you know, like
0: you can't just give up food, you know, even if it were possible for you to quit food, cold Turkey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you can't quit food yeah. cold turkey. Cold turkey. <laughs> yeah. You can only
3: eat cold turkey I'm on a
0: straight pepper diet. <laughs> you know, like it's just not possible. So I don't know.
2: It's, yeah,
0: it's so complicated. You know, our bodies want to acquire calories. They're actively mm-hmm. messing with your plan. Yeah. of getting skinny. And, and I actually getting read, healthy.
2: Yeah, I read an article one time that w- that said that like by eating you you satiate the, the sensors, but it, when you overindulge, your body rewards you and actually strengthens that pathway, right. mm-hmm. which makes you want to eat more. And they never really atrophy. So it's constantly strengthening this pathway and it doesn't really get, it can get weaker over time, but it's so much more fulfilling to then eat more because right. your body is telling you, well, that's, you know, eating more is my baseline now. So you right. have to eat more to get the same feeling. It's, mm-hmm. it's a vicious mm-hmm. cycle too. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: Fifi, Trixie Bell, I want to thank you again for uh for writing in keep listening um keep sending in your thoughts um and the same goes for the rest of you listeners too i want to love to hear from you guys um it really helps me uh helps us do this show um uh and it helps it helps us do what you want us to do
4: so we sure do appreciate you
0: you know (laughs) uh pop quiz guys when a person is stressed out what substances circulating in the blood mediate the body's response
1: Cortisol.
0: Cortisol and oh. adrenaline. Cortisol and adrenaline, right? Wrong. Mm. Well, yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> but you forgot one: mitochondrial DNA. Uh, mm. yeah. So this week I learned that the powerhouse of the cell, which is a kind of a cliche, um, at this point I think I even I learned it back in high school. Um, it's fucking with us. The theory is that when <laughs> mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, are stressed as they would be when pumping out energy during a fight or flight response. They break down. Their DNA then leaks out of the cells that mitochondria live in into the bloodstream and cause all sorts of trouble because um, mitochondria has a weird evolutionary status as former uh, bacteria that eukaryotes like us decide to like having inside us. By the way, I wrote that sentence (laughs) and then looked up to make sure it was right. Wow, impressive. Congrats. Brave. I'm Very I'm brave. brave. <laughs> um, all that bacteria DNA floating around triggers a pro inflammatory immune response because the immune system treats it as foreign. And this is the missing link, mm. uh, say researchers, between psychology and inflammation, the mind and the body.
4: I think that's super cool. That's like super zen if your body can learn to know itself right
0: Right. Um, there are a number of diseases which I I didn't realize uh, to which mitochondrial mutations are linked things like autism spectrum disorders schizophrenia Alzheimer's arthritis cancer all of those have also been linked with inflammation hmm Mm. hmm what do you guys know about this already
2: is this all
3: inflammation
2: well, we we <laughs> did, cells. yeah. Well, we learned uh, in cell fates the other day that mitochondria actually play a really important role in program cell death as well. So it's not that surprising to me that they would have some other signals. But um, yeah, they they send cells to program cell death if they don't feel like they're replicating DNA fast enough. A bunch of different triggers, but it. I mean, we're kind of just discovering the role that mitochondria play in cell. Functions and, and
3: disease, inherited disease yeah, and all of that as well.
2: I think a year or two ago, there was a first th- technically three parent in quotes child uh, because mm-hmm. yeah, they, oh yeah, yeah. there was a defect in the mitochondria. So they had a donor mitochondria from a third parent that was then inserted into the zygote or I don't know when they do it. But um, <laughs> so they had a third parent which donated mitochondrial DNA. Two moms and one because you get you get mitochondria from your mother, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: See, I
0: know things I just I I think it's so cool the idea that you know basically some bacteria were like hanging out with uh, some other cells some eukaryote cells and and one or the other of them was like hey What's going on? <laughs> Want to come? I'm gonna eat you. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Want to come hang out?
0: Want to come hang out together for the rest of eternity? That'd be sweet. Super romantic. And then I also Match love made in heaven. And then I also have this idea of like you know the the mitochondria they're inside the cell and you know they're hanging out and they're doing their thing and they're like what? this kind of sucks. Yeah. I'm gonna leak out some DNA yeah. every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and just mess with this guy. You know what I'm saying?
3: Especially because, you know, hey, you're stressed. You're not making me too happy. So right.
0: I'm going to.
2: I am overworked. <laughs> so here comes some inflammation. <laughs> or just sell death. Like just kill your home right. to yeah. burn it all down. Right. If you're angry. I'm done. Anyway. Hey, mm-hmm. you know what? 2018
0: Ig Nobel Prize winners have been announced. If you if you don't know about this, it's a campy award. That recognizes quote achievements that m- first make people laugh and then make them think for uh, for, for instance the uh, Nobel Pri- the Ig Nobel Prize in medicine was given to Mark Mitchell and David Wartinger for using roller coaster rides to hasten the passage of kidney stones <laughs> <laughs> uh, in medical education Akira Horiuchi, Horiuchi for the medical report, colonoscopy in a, in the sitting position. Lessons learned from self colonoscopy. Oh,
1: oh my gosh! Oh jeez!
0: <laughs> no, that would
2: be messy. So I, you so know, helpful. I
0: don't want to get too personal on the show, but have you ever self colonoscopized mm, Normally, I da- I, you not,
2: know. not
4: yet. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> haven't we haven't been educated on that yet, so maybe yeah, yeah, maybe you, later. You, you tell talk to me after all of my school debt has accumulated you know you could, you could go uh you can go to like amazon or whatever and buy and buy a
0: uh, an endoscope you can attach to your phone and whatever oh my god um, i'm that. just saying that right now i'm doubting your commitment to this whole medical profession you haven't
4: uh,
2: just thinking about that stresses me
0: out yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: well and the balls to publish that like yeah yeah
4: hey man oh wow uh so, re, re, the, the pro, oh, sorry go ahead that's a that's a common practice then people I don't think so People <laughs> self colonoscopies I don't think so can you colonoscopize your friend like have a colonoscopy party <laughs> like, yeah.
2: what, you do me i do you yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: precisely
4: what you do outside of the show <laughs> uh-huh
0: well i we can talk about it i <laughs>
2: It's just you know. It's, it's up it. to we'll, you.
0: We'll have I'm not. A, we'll, gonna, I'm. I'm not a judgmental person in this regard. Yeah. All right. Like if well, you want to, I'll create the sign up. It'll be anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> sign, up. sign up genius. <laughs> um, reproductive medicine. The prize went to John Barry, Bruce Blank, and Mich- M- Michel boileau I'm gonna. Assume that that's fancy. right for using postage stamps to test whether the male sexual organ is functioning properly as described in their study nocturnal penile tumescence monitoring with stamps basically the idea is they wrap the stamps uh the the the, the they glue the stamps still perforated around the circumference and then if the if the <laughs> if the perforations break <laughs> in the night oh, they know that it's working. <laughs> <laughs> it's an alternative to more complex methods for determining whether
4: uh, everything's all right. But I also right down feel there.
3: like there is a simpler method. Yeah.
4: That's well, probably in our rural medicine curriculum, though, right? <laughs> yeah. No resources. Sometimes you got to do without. You know, if
0: you don't have that fancy, uh, what do they call it? The electro uh, re- measuring penis thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's, <laughs> that's what it's technical. Yeah, that's the technical name. You can yeah. buy
4: that at the same store they sell the self colonoscopies. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon, everything. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I thought it would be, uh, to, to celebrate, I thought it would be fun to see how much you know about past winners of this industri- illustrious prize. Uh, on those pieces of paper in front of you, fill in the blanks, and we'll see who can get these right. They uh, have
2: twenty fourteen. The
0: 2014 winners in psychology, Peter K. Johnson, Amy Jones, and Mina Lyons, maybe Mina, I don't know. They amassed evidence that people who habitually blank are, on average, more self-admiring, more manipulative, and more psychopathic than people who habitually arise blank. So this is a sleeping thing.
1: Do we have to read our own answers?
0: Yeah. Oh. Is that all right? <laughs> Did you? We're <You're> all embarrassed <laughs> by our answers. So. Make all right. Up? Who hasn't? Who? Who wants to start? Let's go with Kyle okay can can you read the and i'll fill all right yeah people who habitually (laughs) masturbate are (laughs) on average more self-admiring more manipulative and more psychopathic than people who habitually rise
2: flaccid (laughs) (laughs) that excludes like half the population though fair enough fair (laughs) enough uh
0: well okay let's uh let's hear from sam
2: I I wanted a little more G-rated wake up late and arise early, but Mm. I wasn't really sure on this one. All right. All
0: right. You're you're more close than Kyle.
3: (laughs) So I have the opposite of him. I said people who um, wake early are more self-centered than people who wake late, but I don't know if that actually makes sense.
0: So people who wake up early in the morning are more self-centered than people who wake up late. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, I could dig it. Uh, Emma,
1: mine's kind of similar. I said wake up before their alarm, and then the other one is set seven alarms to get up.
0: So people who wake up before their alarm are more self-admiring, blah 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 blah, than people who um
1: wake up have to seven have alarms, seven alarms. Okay,
0: yeah. no, yeah, yeah, the answer is uh, people who habitually stay up late mm-hmm. are more self-admiring, more manipulative, and more psychotic than people who get up. Early in the morning.
1: What if oh. you do both? So you just don't sleep, <laughs> sleep deprivation. Yeah, all of us yeah. this week. Yeah. You got four hours You're just night. tired. You don't have the
0: energy to be like, to love yourself. And
3: <laughs> but then you're grouchy and you only think about yourself. That's, yeah, true.
0: that's true. That's true. All right, let's try another one. Uh, 20, the 2016 winners in reproduction. The late Ahmed Shafiq studied the effects of wearing polyester, cotton, or wool blank on the sex life, sex lives of blank. What would they have worn to study the sex lives or what would their subjects have worn to study the sex lives of their subjects? Everybody got something written down? I think Emma's frozen.
1: <laughs> I got it. <laughs> she, she Emma crashed.
0: Alright, uh, let's start with you, Emma. Okay. Then, um... The effects of wearing polyester cotton or wool socks. Okay. On the sex life of mice. Okay. That's
1: tiny socks. Okay. That's a good one. <laughs> it's
0: little teeny tiny socks. <laughs> when people wear socks during sex never mind. <laughs>
1: it's just weird. I, it's weird. I think it's a little weird. I think it's a little weird. Anyway.
4: It's a little weird. Yeah.
0: Uh Kyle. Uh <laughs> Collars. Okay. Alright. Polyester, cotton, or wool collars on the sex life of pet dogs. Pet dogs. <laughs> pet pet why pet okay, never mind. Uh, different from street dogs. Alright. Uh Sam. Uh polyester, cotton, or wool. Uh I said uh mittens.
2: Mittens. It's sort yeah. of like socks, yeah. Or, uh, oh, well, I did And know. cats, cats. So uh, <laughs> my, uh, it's always sunny reference because I was reaching there, kitten mittens. Um, um, ah, yeah. well done, yeah. Madeline.
4: Mm-hmm. So I
3: picked the what I thought was the obvious one because I figured people would try to be creative, and I just said underwear.
0: Oh, okay. And on the sex life of
3: monkeys,
0: monkeys. <laughs> oh,
4: yeah,
0: why not? No, the answer is is. Uh, they were studying the effects of wearing polyester cotton or wool pants trousers mm-hmm. on the sex life of rats what the, yeah. uh, the the title of this was effect of different types of textiles on sexual activity experimental study rats were dressed in uh, one type of textile pants made of either a hundred percent polyester 50-50 polyester cotton mix a hundred percent cotton or a hundred percent wool then the proportion of intromission to mounting was recorded and electrostatic potentials generated on the penis and scrotum <laughs> were also measured by electrostatic kilovoltimeter. Oh, cheese! Polyester and polyester cotton mixed pants wearing mice, their intromission to mounting ratio was significantly reduced. The theory is that the polyester containing pants generated electrostatic potentials while the other textiles did not those potentials Seem to introduce electrostatic fields Whoa. in the intrapenile structures, which could ap- explain the decrease in rats' sexual activity. I think maybe I'm a little bit of a perv. Wow. <laughs> That. By selecting this, I just couldn't help it though. I just couldn't help it. I'm just
2: imagining these poor little rats wearing their little pants and being yeah. like, am I look really good." I want to see the research proposal for that. Like, yeah. Yeah. like trying to pawn that off to get a grant. Like,
0: yeah,
4: who's funding that?
2: Who's like, yeah, I'll fund that. Yeah, did, uh, take uh, my qu- money. The question I have,
0: you know, as a child of the '70s, how do I even exist, considering <laughs> how many people wearing polyester
4: back then? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Interesting too, because like all the all the mice. From, uh, what was it, Alice in Wonderland? Like, they all had shirts, but no pants. No pants. Because they were like, huh. screw this. Yeah.
3: <laughs> There's mice in Alice in Wonderland?
4: Aren't they? Am I? I'm, I'm Cinderella. Okay. Uh, I'm getting my. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. It's I was going with it. Close, close enough.
3: enough. What about the Thank rescuers? You. Did they wear pants? As
4: usual.
0: Madeline comes on the show and calls bullshit on people, just like did, the last time she
1: was on the show. Uh, all
0: right, let's let's uh, let's try this one. Well, the 2001 winner in public health went to uh, Chetaranjan Andrade and B.S. Srahari, Srahari of the National Institute of Mental Health and Neurosciences in Bangalore, India, for their probing medical discovery that blank is a common activity among adolescents...
2: No, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say that's
4: <laughs> crossed my mind there. I was. I was so I'm gonna two, eliminate that two one. Two answers too early. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so just blank is a blank in, is common in, somewhere in India. Where in India.
0: Uh, well, is I'm India? not sure where, but mm-hmm. let's say it's in Bangalore, Bangalore, okay, so where India. the uh, their institute <laughs> resides. Mm. Blank is common among adolescents. Common activity. Common thing to do. People still writing. Get some apparently complex activities. (laughs) Take a long time to write down. Kyle's like chapter two. (laughs) Okay, Kyle.
4: Providing emotional support to their friends. that's Very nice. That's very sweet. Totally wrong. Okay.
2: I, uh,
0: Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. We're going to go with Madeline this time. Oh, sorry.
3: I wrote what was going on in my brain when you read that, and that was doing nothing. Oh. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> I had no cleverness.
0: <laughs> it's common for them to do nothing during adolescence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, 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 Emma?
1: I went with an approach that um, makes them seem like they still want to be kids, so I said jumping rope on the way to the mall. Oh, no. <laughs> so yeah.
2: okay that is very specific all right uh sam i tried to cue in on your uh, probing a little bit there so i said nose picking you are correct wow, wow. wait
3: did i miss what was that the hint? hint yeah
2: probing
0: medical discovery that nose picking is a common activity among adolescents
3: I'm probing
0: the okay. study found that nearly yeah. all 200 kids admitted to nose picking with a median frequency of four times per day and concluded that nose picking is common in adolescents. it is often associated with other habitual behaviors nose picking may merit closer epidemiologic and nosologic scrutiny nosologic is that the study of noses <laughs>
4: <laughs> I studied a bunch and now I know the a logic is
3: there an like entire na- field devoted to like that? nasal like I don't know I feel like that's not the normal word that I well
2: hear. is it rhinology maybe I, I
3: guess know. that's why it's the IG awards okay
0: 1998 medicine prize went to patient Y and his doctors Carolyn Mills Marion Llewellyn david kelly and peter holt of the royal gwent hospital in newport wales for the cautionary medical report a man who pricked his finger and blanked for five years pricked his finger and he blanked for five whole years
2: what's mm. crossing your mind cow <laughs>
4: i I think,
2: <laughs>
4: I think he cried he cr- for five whole know. years
1: <laughs> <laughs> all
4: right so, Anybody
0: else have an answer?
1: I think he slept for five years.
0: He slept for five years. That's yeah. sort of the uh, didn't that happen to like Sleeping Beauty or something? Yeah, I was gonna say The theme right of there. Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Slept, uh, Madeline.
3: I put hiccuped. Ooh.
0: Fair enough. Could be hiccup. Could be hiccuping. Who's
3: Seemingly to say? Seemingly unrelated, yeah. but yeah. you say? know there oh, are cool. stories out there.
2: All right, and Sam. I said hiccuped as well. Do I have to change my answer? No. Okay. No, you can both be wrong.
0: uh a man the the title of the report is a man who pricked his fingers and smelled putrid for five years no Uh, it's about a man who worked in a chicken processing plant who pricked his finger on a chicken bone and ended up with an arm that smelled disgusting from across the room for the next five years Mm -hmm. uh it was noted that even that in a confined exam room it became overwhelming turns out he had on his skin um, some, uh, clostridium bacteria True. that were not infecting him internally, but which were just making a lot of
4: hmm.
0: stinky, stinky, just hanging things. out, just hanging out, having a party Hard to get rid arm. of. They, you know, he took uh, all kinds of antibiotics and stuff like that. And it was, you know, cause they were like, well, you're not having an immune reaction as far as we can tell, but here's some antibiotics and nothing worked. And,
3: and it so just the reason home. why he keep, he kept, At it for five years is because like he knew he smelled bad for five years and he kept looking for answers. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it just stayed on his arm.
0: Yeah, on his arm up to his chest. There was some on his other arm, but apparently his left arm was the stinkiest. Uh I think his left. (laughs) Well, one arm was the stinkiest.
4: How did he finally get get it taken care of? I'm
0: not sure he amputation. (laughs) (laughs) Amputation. I'm not sure he ever did. I. I, So the
3: five years could be five years. Plus.
4: Plus, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, we could be at the fifth year right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the title of this one. It's very, you know, I,
0: it's like a story. You know, the man who pricked his arm and then smelled for, smelled putrid for five years. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's, the problem is, is there's no satisfactory ending for me. I want to know what happened to the man.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: The 2006 Medicine Prize was awarded to two groups who published articles with the same title, uh termination of intractable hiccups with blank
3: hey we're on the right yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> termination of intractable hiccups with blank what would terminate those hiccups the intractable ones of which i spoke <laughs> it's a i thought you have
3: of to something fill time morbid. while people <laughs> oh <laughs> i was gonna say death <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But many, I can go with my original Many,
0: many complaints, <laughs> many, many chief complaints can be terminated with <laughs> yeah, I don't think it should be proposed as a treatment, but you know.
3: I'll put my actual answer in I just said alcohol.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, could could be. Could be. Emma?
1: I was thinking lollipops. With okay. <laughs> okay. alcohol. Because you know, you right.
0: You suck on the lollipop and it, Yeah. you know, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that struck me as funny. It seems actually perfectly
4: reasonable. Uh, Kyle? I've got nothing. You're not... Kyle's giving up. (laughs) Throw your first answer back in there. Yes. (laughs) Masturbating. All right.
2: All right. Possible? I went with a fear route. I said skydiving. Oh. Yeah.
0: That makes total sense. It is among the uh, usual proposed... uh, But no. Although maybe, in a way... Uh, termination of uh, the title, the actual title is Termination of Intractable Hiccups with Digital Rectal Massage.
3: Oh. Whoa. Oh. We yeah. also learned about that in anatomy. <laughs> we did. Not, not really in the. Mis- <laughs>
0: <It's> a- <laughs> not, not as it's massage a- necessarily. <laughs> it's a, it's a
4: mildly invasive uh, procedure or, yeah. That yeah. can tell you so much about your health. Procedure. Yeah.
0: A lot. Um, yeah, the patient was a 60 year old man with, uh, with, uh, intractable hiccups. And, um, I I want to know like during rounds who was like, Hey, you
4: know what? Let's try it. We could try this. Call me crazy. But, but you're right. I'm gonna stick my finger in is that your the butt. question
3: for like a lot of different treatments? Like, I want to know who said, what if we do this?
0: Yeah. I feel it's, it's a lot like the, the lobster question, which has nothing to do with medicine, but you know. That lobster, perhaps it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> we should try it. Oh
3: yeah, because it C-spairy, looks yeah. terrifying. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, hmm. I'm not gonna say that I didn't keep track, but I don't think you all did very well. This. No. I mean, you got. It. I, I, I Sam did the best. Yeah, I got one. Sam, got one. Sam got the only one. Nailed one. I might give you both an additional point, you and 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 Madeline for for pre. Cog, pre, Foreshadowing for, for, for pre. What's the word I'm looking for?
3: When you when you predict the
0: future,
2: but oh. you're like for psychically oh, predicting. Um, oh, premonition? Like, premonition. Premonition. That's Nick what I was isn't Nick Cage in that movie? I don't know. That's Face Off. That's, uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the only movie is in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's also that Disney show with the girl who just like this weird eye thing. That's so Raven. Yeah, that's so Raven.
2: Uh, <laughs> weird
0: eye thing. What was that? What well, was she it?
3: just she like, like stares like, into the camera whenever she's having
1: a vision. Oh. Cameron no. zooms no. in on her eye. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's, <so laughs> That's a weird eye either. thing. I was
0: predicting some I was I was picturing some sort of like missile coming out. <laughs> well, listen, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with us with, with me today. We'll be putting a link to all the topics we've discussed on this episode show notes at theshortcoat.com. But for now, we're done. Madeline, Emma, Kyle, Sam, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome it's been a pleasure
1: thanks thanks for having me
0: and thank you listeners for making us part of your week if you like what you heard today we hope we've earned your subscription not only do we give out free advice uh, it might even be good advice to send your questions or whatever you like to the at gmail.com or you can leave us a message at 347 short ct we'll talk about it on the show Uh, with apologies to uh, what's her name
3: Fifi, Fifi Trixie Bell. Trixie Come <laughs> on, you made it up. Uh,
0: also, don't forget to contribute your recipes for medical school success by visiting thesharkwood.com and clicking on the orange send in a recipe button. And why not, right now, while your podcasting app is open, give us some stars and a review just like Apprentice MD did this past week. <sighs> Thank you. That was you.
3: No, mine was the other one after that.
0: The other one it after
3: w- that? It was titled Mansplater Hater. Oh, I haven't seen it yet.
0: <laughs> you can read it next Are week. we reviewing our own show?
3: <laughs> well, I was allowed? a allowed before I was
0: Ah, uh, okay. I hope it's not a one time I explained that in the review. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine, student government, and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. We'll talk to you in one week.